0: be deceived, there are tears sown among the wheat. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another DadCast, part four.
0: What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I just heard somebody today say, if you're over 50, you can't say that slapping, so I won't say that. I don't even know what that means. I guess that might have been a cool word a couple of years ago. Slapping. Okay. No, you ever heard it? No. Okay.
1: Well... <laughs> All right, welcome back to another dadcast. Uh They're slapping over here. Yeah. This is uh yeah, you can say whatever you want, man. Oh, thanks. Free country. You do your thing. Will that counsel me? I don't think so. Slapping. <sighs> okay. I don't I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, another S word. There's a couple other S words you can say, but uh, you can't say. But that, you can't say. That one is okay. You can say that one. Okay.
0: Well, I don't even know what those would be. That's okay. I'll All tell right. you after. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad when my son has to teach me, yeah, what I can't say, right,
1: right, all right, okay, hey, we're back, we're back. you got another uh sermon for us, Yes. so it, last it's one. actually already done, but yeah, yeah, we got it in the can, it's been spoken, it has been yep, it's out, yep, it's a real, uh, do you feel relieved now that all four are done yes, I, yeah, I do I, yeah, I think this sermon's probably gonna get you canceled. You can say really? slapping all you want, but this sermon. <laughs> why? Why, you know, why this one? <laughs> this set of series of sermons. Oh, the That's set, right? the series. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, 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 Yep. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um. Well, what? Let's. Uh. Do you want to briefly talk about maybe the the other three? If you haven't heard them, they're on this podcast channel. They're sermon one, sermon two, sermon three. This is the fourth one.
0: What we talk about in the first one? Just summarize it. Genesis real. 3 is the fall where Adam and Eve joined the Nakash, who was a... The Nakash was probably a throne guardian, but was part of a, a group of entities that rebelled against God, and he lured Adam and Eve into rebelling as well, hmm. which was part of the plan to mess them up so God would have to destroy them and then that entity and his buddies would you know it, it maybe it would is a way for them to regain power over the earth I don't know wasn't there I don't know their motives that uh didn't work because God had a plan to to get Adam and Eve back into the place that they needed to be and and we're still working on that plan so that's genesis three first major rebellion in our spiritual history genesis six is when fallen entities co-mingled with human women to create a race of hybrids that would be human enough to usurp the dominion that belongs to us of the earth but they still were angelic, so they were super, That were part, whatever you want to call, and so they were super intelligent, super amazing, crazy, not good, but, and, uh, they divided up, again, wasn't there, but it seems that they divided the earth, in quadrants, or there was 200 of them that, that rebelled together, and, uh, this is probably where our megalithic uh, structures, construction, yeah, yeah, the stuff that is we can't even do today. The pyramids, yeah, and things like that. We all think it's just the pyramids in Egypt, but there's they're they're all over the world. Yeah.
1: Largest pyramids were actually in America, and when I say America, I'm talking about Americas, yeah. America's. right? The northern.
0: Actually, I, I don't know. Graham Hancock says China, they're they're bigger there. Possibly, I, I don't know. He I hasn't forget listened. Now. He hasn't listened to the podcast I've listened Graham, to. Come yeah. on, buddy. Yeah. Okay, so that's Genesis six, uh, usurpation of our dominion again. It got so bad, God flooded the earth. Yeah, started over. Sons of Noah have a chance to reset, and it isn't long when they're communing with the fallen realm again, and they was guy one guy in particular Nimrod. Becomes a gibor. In other words, he somehow genetically turns on something in his genome and becomes a mighty hunter before the Lord. Something like, like another Nephilim, almost. Um, God puts a stop to that. He takes away everybody's ability to speak in one language. He disperses them it, into different ethnic groups, different languages, and they spread out across the earth. And at that point, God says, look, you you don't want me to be your king. I'll let you worship these fallen entities, and we'll see how you like it. And I'm going to start over with one man, Abram. And through that comes a nation. Through that nation comes Messiah, who is the answer to those three rebellions. However... This last sermon is on the conquest because Israel, you know, Abraham's family becomes bigger and bigger. They become a nation or uh, let's say, let's just say where they're a small tribe. They move into Egypt and over time they become a nation. Egypt says these people are becoming too powerful. They enslave them. And so this is about a four century process when they come out of Egypt with amazing things that happen coming out. People have heard about that. They come into the
1: talking about plagues and stuff. Plagues,
0: the yeah. ten plagues, and all that. Yeah, which is a spiritual war against the gods of Egypt. Hmm. Um, they come out of Egypt. They're afraid to go into the land because it's full of giants. Right? Not. It wasn't that they're afraid of the armies. They are afraid of the hybrid giants that have repopulated the land. Hmm.
1: Legitimately, giants.
0: Legit, legit giants. And uh, they spend 40 years thinking about what they've done. <laughs> they die in the desert, and their children, under, everyone under 20, didn't die out in the desert. And they go in, and they're given another chance, and this time they go, hmm. and they wage war against, for years against the giant clans and wipe a lot of them out. Huge portions. Not all of them, but huge portions. And that's the conquest of Joshua. Hmm. That's the conquest, those wars against the giant clans, which the Israelites shouldn't have been able to win. You know? Right. People two or three times their size. Yeah. Outman. Outman. Yeah. Intelligent Uh, beings. Out.
1: uh, What was the word he used? Outman. It's like they had a higher level of technology. Yep. Right. Yes. Superior firepower? Yep. They should have, in all instances, lost over and over and over. They should have. Yeah.
0: But mm. they didn't. And people don't like the conquest because they, they don't like that the Israelites annihilated seven nations.
1: It's a tough thing to so, to read. When we go into this, you go into this, right? But well, let's say you're reading the Old Testament and God's like, wipe out this whole people group. Mm-hmm. And it's just a tough thing to swallow when you don't understand maybe a little bit more context or at least the way that that you're perceiving it a lot Mm -hmm. of other people they don't want to take the spiritual side of i've heard this before they don't want to take the spiritual side it wasn't a they you know they even like bend the bible to make it fit and be a little bit more warm and cozy it's like Mm -hmm. no they what they weren't actually Killing them It was a cultural takeover You know It wasn't actually that. God was Mm talking They try to bend it But it's pretty clear That they go in And literally just Destroy Every single thing In that People group Men Women Children Animals Like Mm -hmm. just Annihilate And it's not an easy Concept to understand If you If you're thinking Of it as Actual Yeah I guess Humans Mm -hmm. You know Let's just go in And get rid of all Of Detroit That's that's hard. Yeah. yeah, Like, why would you go in and just destroy? What did Detroit do? But if Detroit was run by giants, you know, and oh, it's just yeah, it's different. It's different when you start thinking about those terms. Yes. Um, Makes God a little bit more makes makes it make a little bit more sense. Well, God God
0: does love us, but God is a warrior. And people need to deal with that. So there it is. Yeah.
1: But he's yeah. not a evil no dictator who is just destroying people groups because he wants to. Yeah. Either. That's kind of right. what that, this is about. That's, yeah, right. that's what this There's explains. There's nothing wrong with him it's, being a warrior. Right. I, I think we need to uh, be aware of that. But he's not saying, just wipe out these people. Just do it. Right. It's not yeah. vindictive. All the nymphs, just get rid of them. <laughs> why? What, what? What, right. Because they're in the promised land? Is that why? No, I mean, but if you're reading the Bible and not understanding that it's talking about this actual giant race. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're yes. getting way too yeah, much. We're gi- we're, yeah, I'm we're, giving away. We're doing this, some, but... We're giving them, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It was really cool to hear you talk about this. I wasn't there for a Sermon 3, but Sermon 4 was really cool to hear this. And then, and I don't know, it just brings another layer, another level of the Old Testament where most of the time you have questions. It's kind of... It, Makes a lot more sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, should we play it? Yes. Okay. We'll catch you guys on the other side. Okay.
0: So, this this sermon is on the conquest of Canaan. So, Canaan is the land that the Israelites moved into, the promised land. And the conquest is the basically the wars that went on. Uh, it is a sticking point. It's controversial for a lot of people who don't like... The Old Testament God, but it's, that's the God we serve, Old and New Testament. It's the same God. So uh, some people think the God of the Old Testament, and I've heard this often, that he's pretty mean and vengeful, and, but the God of the New Testament is love. That's a misunderstanding. So we're going to clear that up. <laughs> that's what this is about. All right why do we need a savior most christians today think of the genesis 3 event as the main reason when we were separated from god because of sin but the jews of jesus day would have been aware that their messiah would have to save them from not one but three major events the consequences of genesis 3 genesis 6 and genesis 11 So not only did they need reconciliation to God because of the fall, they also needed a Messiah to come from a pure bloodline, untainted from the Watcher Rebellion of Genesis 6. And they needed to be rescued from the human rebellion of Genesis 11. That's what we talked about last week, where the sons of Noah exchanged the true God for the leadership of fallen celestial beings. The fallen realm wove intricate stories into each culture about how multiple gods and demigods protected and advanced the affairs of men. Curiously, the Sons of Cain before the Flood and the Sons of Ham after the Flood outranked other family groups in terms of advanced science, technology, and industry. It is because of their supernatural connection with the fallen realm. In order to obscure the true God, the fallen realm introduced a polytheist cosmology before the flood. So polytheist means that you worship many gods. After the flood, it reignited in the cult worship of multiple secret societies, uh, Eastern mysticism, Jewish Kabbalah, Zoroasterism, Gnosticism, the Knights Templar, Rosicrucianism, and Freemasonry to name only a few. Their ancient mythologies persist even today. That same fake news has merely morphed into something more intellectual, more New Age. It reduces Jesus to the status of prophet and teacher only and rejects his deity. This brings us to the conquest of Canaan. It is much, much worse than we've been told. What we have learned is so shallow, it's like calling the Holocaust a misunderstanding or calling 9-11 an aviation mishap. We have to understand the backstory so that we don't misinterpret Joshua and other Old Testament passages. The region that God was about to plant Israel into had become infested with giant clans, a cult sex ritual and habitual blood sacrifices of adult and infant victims. The land was ready to vomit out its perverse inhabitants. Israel was being sent to enforce God's eviction notice. If they failed at eliminating the giant clans, it would endanger the human purity of all future descendants. If they imitated the cultures they evicted, the land would one day also vomit them out by the way both things happened right israel was evicted for a time i find it wonderful that god even though israel broke its its promises with god god still brought them back he always he doesn't abandon us so i love that about god the return of the giants At the Flood, the Fallen Watchers were bound in Tartarus, and their children, the Nephilim, had been physically eliminated. But the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, known as demons or unclean spirits, had been allowed to roam the earth until further notice. Somehow, after the Flood, these giant populations begin to flourish again in the Levant, or the Amorite regions, that's also known as as the Promised Land. And as I postulated in previous sermons, Men communed with the fallen realm to unlock the dark wisdom of reinserting Nephilim-like beings back into our human genome. These giant clans had many different names, for several strains were introduced. The umbrella term for these creatures after the flood is raphaim, which is the male plural form of the word Rafa. Here is a simple family tree of the Giants. And for those who are listening on podcast, uh, Timon will have notes for you because it's gonna be hard to understand this just listening. But uh, as you see in number two, there we go. Uh, This helps you to understand that the Watchers were the the first, uh, the angelic beings that mixed with human women in Genesis 6. Uh, The progeny of them were the Nephilim, and they intermarried with humans and they begat heroes of old. So there's different layers. And uh, heroes of old sometimes refers to everything, so this isn't a hard and fast rule. Another way to think of it is the first generations were watchers, the second generation were Nephilim, And the third and following generations were heroes who were diminished in angelic traits, but still superhuman. So that's pre-flood, the post-flood lineage of the giants. Either there's a second incursion, which means celestial entities once again co-mingled with humans, as in Genesis 6, or... Humans used the occult wisdom of the Nephilim spirits to create lesser giant clans, generally called raphaim. These raphaim made their way into the elite, ruling, priestly, and military classes of nations of men because of their advanced stature and intellectual prowess. The raphaim co-mingled with humans to produce a plethora of hybrids, as outlined in Deuteronomy 2. Again, another way to see this is that the first generation were Raphaim, the second generation were Anakim and other I.M. clans. The third generation were less powerful hybrids than their Rafa'im ancestors, but still superhuman. It has been difficult to unravel all of this, so I'm open to further details. So check it out for yourself. <laughs> You'll have to do a lot of reading them. Post-flood giants are incubated, I think, so now this is where I think post-flood giants come from, uh, through the cult of the dead, witchcraft, and genetic manipulation, as covered in previous sermons. I'm not sure of the second incursion theory or the survival theory, and that's covered in the Genesis 6 sermon. Uh, However, theologians do make plausible arguments for these positions. Still, the result is the same. Giants reappear so we don't need to argue over how they came about they're, They they occurred again, so It is important to remember that these Giants were genetic mutants even though they may not have been as large in stature as the original pre-flood Nephilim There may have been more than 20 different giant clans cousins of sort in Canaan Here's a short list list from uh, Deuteronomy 2 note how they're denon- demonic names and qualities are embedded within their names. So I have a list there. Emim uh, means terror, inspiring fear. Anakim, long neck with serpentine features. If you look at some of the uh, pharaohs of old, they, they have elongated heads, beady eyes, and long necks. They have serpentine features. They, they were hybrid mixtures something was going on. Um, Raphaim, faded or sunken ones, self healing ones, giants of old. You notice when David, we sang about David today. Uh, Lacey had that one of the songs. Why did David, when he hit Goliath in the head, and yeah, he cut his head? That's right, Kyle. He cut his head off. These giants had self healing properties, they come back to life sever the head thank you okay so I'm not the only crazy one here yeah they cut their heads off okay N- David knew what he was dealing with Zanzumin plotters of evil murmurs terrifying noisemakers Horim cave dweller Avim perverters serpent worshipers worshipers of the Nakash Genesis 3 the Nakash so you notice I um, you have an Anakite, an Anakim, a raphaite, a Rafiim. There's a reason for that in the Bible. This so this is a helpful note when you're reading. The I-T-E suffix is attached to nouns to denote belonging to certain tribes, languages, religion, etc. So an Anakite is a human who belongs to the tra- tribe of Anak. The I-E-M, the I-M, I-Eam, that suffix in Hebrew indicates the masculine plural for nouns, adjectives, and present tense verbs. It is often used for supernatural beings like Elohim, Seraphim, Cherubim. Like a seraph is a, a throne guardian, a single being. Seraphim are a group of celestial beings. Okay, Nephilim, the Nephilim were half-breeds, angelic and human. Therefore, Anakim is the plural expression of a giant, hy- of giant hybrids living among the Anakite human population. Do you notice, have you ever noticed that the word Israel in the Old Testament is never Israelim? It's always Israelite. There's no, they weren't allowed to mix with uh, giant populations. So let's recap this. Christians today know little of the absolute moral and physical corruption of the populations that inhabited Canaan before Israel arrived. Israel was at war with more than humans. The war was both physical and spiritual. The enemies of Israel were giant kings and hybrid soldiers mixed in with human populations that were dedicated to the fallen realm. The demonic attributes of the Raphaim giants and hybrids are hidden within their Hebrew names. Giant Slayers. Many of these giant races were thinned out by the Nine Kings Civil War in Genesis 14. Interestingly, both of these opposing alliances, four kings against five, had Raphaim kings along with hybrid soldiers in their military populations. This is indicated in the text of Genesis 14:5 through 7. The clan names outline their demonic features. The consequences of this civil war resulted in the decimation of large portions of giants in the region. Later on, the Raphaim tribes that inhabited Bashan, east of Jordan, were further reduced by the tribes of Ammon, Moab, and Edom, while Israel spent four centuries inside of Egypt. And I think I have, a, okay, on the slide, you can see these, there are five kings against four kings, and they're, they're, they're trying to take over uh, the territory, and Abraham's right in the middle of all this stuff going on. And uh, both alliances have giant hybrids in their populations, so the fact that they had a civil war and they killed each other, reduced their population. But then they had four centuries to reproduce as Israel was inside of Egypt uh, for four, 400 years of slavery. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, in the meantime, Abram, later known as Abraham, was surrounded by giant clans, and they left him alone. Talk about the power of God. Isn't that interesting? He was surrounded by giants, Abraham was. When this war of the giants occurred, part of the collateral damage was that Lot and his family were captured and enslaved. Abram mustered a small band of human warriors, I think it was 318 men, and literally cr- crushed the giants of the four king alliance. They, they had taken Lot and all of the Sodom people from Sodom as slaves. Abram was a giant slayer, just as Moses, Joshua, and David would one day be. God told Abram that his descendants would one day rule this whole region once the sins of the Amorites had run its course, Genesis 15, 16. Four centuries after the Nine King War, the nation of Israel began its journey towards the Promised Land. Og and Sihon were the last two prominent Raphaim, or giant kings, in the region of Bashan, east of the Promised Land. Understand, the fallen realm was lying in wait to wipe out the nation of Israel in order to prevent the future Messiah from being born. For he would be the ultimate dragon slayer, or giant slayer, prophesied in Genesis 3.15. The giant and hybrid clans were squatters waiting to destroy Israel so that they could retain dominion of the promised land. This is a replay of genesis the Genesis six rebellion because this strategy is emanating from the watchers jailed in Tartarus. This is why God sends Moses and Israel to the Transjordan region first, even though it's several weeks outside of their main goal of subduing Canaan proper on the you know the other side of the river. God's first priority was for Moses to eliminate those two remaining giant kings east of the promised land. God was sending his threat of eviction simultaneously to human kingdoms and the fallen realm because Moses and the armies utterly wiped out Sihon and Og. Can you imagine six, well, what? The Israelites back then were a little bit shorter than me, five, about 5'6 five, was their average height, and they're taking on giant hybrid military people with advanced technology that were much taller, much bigger. Og and Sihon were kings that ruled the area south of Mount Hermon. Remember what Mount Hermon is? That's the region where the Watchers launched their hybrid race, the Nephilim. Bashan in Hebrew means fruitful, but it is probably borrowed from bathan, the Ugaritic word for serpent. Og, like the serpent-worshipping Avim clans, was no doubt tapped into the worship of the Nakash. He was also a raphaim, a giant, whose bed was 9 cubits by 4 cubits, or about 14 by 6 14 feet by 6 feet wide. Now, why would Moses put that in Scripture? <laughs> I mean, you, you don't go knocking out armies and then measure their beds, right? That's, there's a reason for that. Uh, Moses included this information not as trivia but as proof that Og was a giant. Og was so large that his bed was made of iron instead of wood to hold his immense weight. The region of Bashan seemed to hold another portal like where the Tower of Babel had been built. Remember the cult worship of dead ancestors from the Genesis 11 sermon last week where they called out the names of their ancestors and offered a ritual meal for each each month? The tower builders, at least the elite leadership, were communing with the dead with fallen watchers and Nephilim spirits for empowerment. Thus Nimrod was able to connect the Watchers and Tartarus, connect to the Watchers and Tartarus and gain supernatural intelligence, dark wisdom. Og and Sihon seemed to be practicing the same occult rituals as Nimrod. They had opened themselves and their land up to demonic possession. Even centuries after the conquest, the region remained tainted with demonic residue. For this is the region of Gadara, where Jesus okay. cast out legion of the demoniac. So I think I had, yeah, in the in the, the, the uh, slide before, it showed you the region of Gadara where Jesus crossed, and then, and uh, yeah, so that's that's not a real picture. That's from the Middle Ages, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> Recap. All right. Gotta have some laughter, right? During Abram's time, there was a major civil war between two alliances. Both factions were led by Raphaim kings, and their armies were laced with hybrid soldiers. Their war dis- uh, diminished giant and hybrid populations over the next few centuries. They re- uh, Over the next few centuries, they repopulated and lay in wait for the coming of Israel. Because they were in league with the fallen realm, they were determined to annihilate the nation of Israel in order to prevent the coming Messiah. Okay, now we're going to get into the controversy. You ready? <laughs> As if that stuff wasn't controversial. Um, the, con- <laughs> the concept of harem, uh, sometimes it's harem, but uh, there's different spellings. Joshua continued the conquest into the promised land after Moses' death. Not all of the Canaanite people groups were under the annihilation order, like Edom in Numbers 20. The Hebrew words garesh and yaresh are used in certain passages. These words are not about execution. They mean to drive out or dispossess, as in Exodus 23 and 34. However, specific clans were targeted for total destruction. There were seven nations that God specifically listed for total destruction, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, Deuteronomy 7. The Hebrew word for this total destruction is karem, which means to ban or devote to destruction. Some argue that this proves that the God of the Old Testament is mean, vindictive, and genocidal. Listen to the late prominent atheist Richard Dawkins. I'll try to read his, he's got a lot of big words in here. I'll try to read it. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser a misogynistic homophobic racist infanticidal genocidal philicidal pes- pestilential megalomaniacal sadomacastic capriciously malevolent bully and i wonder what he said to god when he stood before him but god did not command genocide against every people group in the region he was very specific on which clans were to be eliminated Deuteronomy 20 this shows that the conquest was surgical in nature not genocidal not megalomaniacal only the cultures that were incubating and colluding with the demonic realm to generate giants and mutants were targeted these cultures were receiving their marching orders from the fallen realm The fallen realm wanted to prevent God's plan of drawing the nations back to himself and to annihilate Israel and cut off the birth of the Messiah. So just like the Nephilim bloodlines before the flood, the Amorite populations had polluted themselves and were no longer purely human. Israel was instructed to wipe out all polluted humans, and in some cases, like 1 Samuel 15, even all animals. This indicates to me that they were practicing sexual perversion on both humans and animals. These cultures were serpent worshipers that had been infected by the cult of the dead and similar demonic programs. This indicates the work of the Nakash again, Nakash from Genesis 3. It is the same war that was launched in Eden. The seed of the serpent would war against the seed of Eve, the fallen realm against the children of Adam. But God was merciful. This time, instead of flooding the whole earth again, Israel was to be the surgical instrument that would remove this demonic cancer from human populations. Don't misunderstand this point. It was God's mercy to have the problem removed rather than a second destruction of the entire earth joshua was successful in eliminating almost all of the giant races for god had hardened the hearts of the raphaim kings to wage war against israel to their own destruction joshua 11. these battles were fought in spiritual realms as well as on earth a small number of giants escaped to philistine territory and elsewhere Those that nested among the Philistines were eventually eliminated by David and his soldiers. And you can read about David's men taking care of the other four uh, brothers of Goliath. 1 Chronicles 20. Some extra-biblical historical records indicate that survivors of these giant populations fled into the northern regions of Sardinia, the Iberian Peninsula, and even to the New World There are valid archaeological indications that Egyptian, Phoenician, and Hebrew artifacts appear on American soil long before Columbus, quote, discovered America, even earlier earlier than the birth of Christ. I have books. I have stuff on this. There was stuff going on in America connected to the, um, the fallen realm. It's weird. Recap. Over the centuries, the inhabitants of Canaan became alarmingly polluted with witchcraft and hybrids. They had to be eliminated. God did not consign all the Canaanite nations to harem or destruction, only the seven nations that were beyond repair. Other cultures not under harem were allowed to live but had to be evicted. They had to be driven out because they also had been tainted by the cultures that were under the ban. Some people converted to God and assimilated into Israel. Conclusion. The Amorite communities that populated the Promised Land were sated with witchcraft, human and infant sacrifice, and breeding programs to raise up giants as kings and military weapons. They were there before Abraham, and they worsened over the centuries while Israel was enslaved inside Egypt. They had to be eliminated. The conquest was not about racism or ethnic cleansing. It was about ridding the earth of raphaim mutants, a war against zombies, to put it in modern terms. For the seed of Eve, which is humans, and the seed of the serpent, which are hybrids, could not inherit the same space. One must rule. The rebellious nations that were disinherited at the tower event but still remained sons of Noah could be redeemed. They were offered inclusion through conversion or offered a peaceable eviction notice. But the clans who were worshiping Nephilim spirits or interbreeding with and creating giant populations were non-redeemable. They were harems. In mercy God did not send another deluge instead he used Israel as a precise surgical tool and cleansing agent to focus on the giant clans it was cancer abatement not full-scale genocide to misunderstand this leads to an inconsistent view of God's character that the Old Testament God is wrathful and the New Testament God is loving in Christ we are given the choice to be delivered from a broken relationship with god we can also be delivered from the despotism of human tyrants possessed by the fallen realm but most importantly we must be delivered from the schemes of the fallen realm who want to kill us steal our place in the kingdom of god and destroy our inheritance if we understand their ruse we will begin to expel them from our territory. What God has given us belongs to us. Don't cower in unbelief. We belong to Jesus. He commands the armies of heaven. These battles are given to us to make us strong. The Lord expects us to fight. The Lord expects us to win. I know these sermons can be challenging to understand This is because I have stuffed multiple hours of research into each 30-minute sermon. Take them home and deliberate over them. Use my work to your benefit. Large portions of the church seem to be unable to comprehend the obvious agendas of the fallen realm. They disregard how God has continually rescued us in ages past, and they will dismiss how he intends to rescue us in the future. It is the uncommitted so-called celebrities of Christianity who have become fate of heart, reducing the Bible to a fictional and powerless bedtime story. But I am trusting that this little church is beginning to understand our spiritual history and purpose on earth. Even though the enemy has invaded our territory, this planet, this country, this state, this city, and this place, this place still belongs to Jesus, our King. Amen
1: okay, we're back, yeah, there you go. That's the fourth sermon. It's done. It's in the books
0: mm-hmm. we we didn't listen to it again. we just yeah. patched it in, so <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, we did the intro now we're doing the outro
0: intro outro yeah,
1: yeah um there's a lot of good questions that happened during the question in Question time at the church. Mm -hmm. I totally forget what they were now. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Uh.
0: Um, Alea did ask one good question that I kind of wasn't in the sermon, but uh, I don't remember her exact question, but how I answered it helped her to understand that, um, so I'll say it here. Before the flood, the... the, what do you call them? The Greeks call them the Titans, and the Mesopotamians call them the Anunnaki. The Bible calls them the Watchers, the fallen Watchers. Uh, Co mingled with women and created hybrids. Okay. So before the flood, the entities that people worshiped were real. Mm. You could go to a temple that they made for themselves right and uh, worship you know, them I mean, you know, and there's some huge uh, an entity that's probably beautiful you know thor looking type person or whatever right you know and uh had just didn't get old and had super ma- amazing powers but it, you could worship that entity before the flood and god put a stop to that with the flood afterwards we have idols appear because Alea was asking about idols. Are
1: they the same thing? Are they different? Yeah. So an
0: idol is a an object of wood or metal, and they do ceremonies, uh, satanic rituals to to try to they call, it's called the opening of the mouth, but they try to get um, make that a place for a a spiritual demonic being to be housed in that idol or around it or has or or a channel for that thing to talk to them or whatever so so the idol is just an object but it has a connection to the fallen realm but it's not the real thing
1: yeah and one of the things you said too was um you know pre-flood they're walking around vibing Mm -hmm. then during the flood god puts them in the pit right or the Mm tars right so they cannot be walking around Right, Fibing. though they can still commune with the earth, yeah. They, but they're yeah. not out in the open walking, right? Um, so well, that's why the you start seeing the idols, or yes, yeah. That's yeah where that comes in. That's the yeah. that's the telephone pole to them in a way. Yeah, that's, that's a the good connection.
0: Point. Yeah. yeah, they're the phone call to the yeah mm-hmm. to the pit, um, yeah. Before the flood, when the gods walked among men, is called the Golden Age, and uh, there are people that want to get back to that because they thought it was great. Right. So they're in league with the fallen realm. Well, yeah, so, they thought
1: the fallen realm probably thought it was great. Yeah, and, I'm sure they did. Yeah, so that's why they're like trying to get yeah. back to it.
0: So that's why, because people will argue, well, in Isaiah chapter, in, in chapters in the Isaiah in the mid-40s, there is places where God says, and I, it's, it's stupid. A guy goes out, cuts down a tree, right. makes his food. And then the other party makes an idol and then he bows down to it. And God says, there is no other God, but me, which is a true statement because right. the idol is just an object, but it still has connections to the fallen realm. God isn't saying it's not, it's not evil. He's just saying, look, there's nothing like that. I am God. Right. Why are you wasting your time on that?
1: Right. Look at all the steps you have to do to even talk to it. To this. Yeah. you know what I mean? You yeah. have to go do this. You have to go do this. You have yeah. to do this just to be able to commune with them. Like, yeah. and why, yeah. If you start to understand why are they there in the first place? Cause I put them there. <laughs> There's yeah. no other guy except for me. Yeah. I see that.
0: I vibe with that. Yeah. So, um, as you would say, that slaps, <laughs> right? Is that what you say? Canceled. Canceled. <laughs> uh, well, you're under 50. You can say that word. Maybe, <laughs> but um, you said you don't even know what it means. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah! Wow. You know what slaps is this? Uh, what do you call this? Call it a mocktail. A mocktail. Still January, so Timmins not drinking any alcohol.
1: No, no alcohol. Yep. I. Uh, that's kombucha, that's which is argued could be alcoholic.
0: <laughs> there's it, nothing there.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's like a small. It's percentage.
0: fermented, but yeah, yeah it's fermented. but you'd have to drink so real much. Com,
1: real kombucha has like four percent alcohol on it, supposedly. But then really? what they do is they pasteurize it. I don't know. Hmm. Different, different okay. conversation for a different time. Okay. But yeah. Yep. Um, doesn't
0: work with the Cranberry juice,
1: <laughs> kombucha, and spindrift. Shout out to Aaron, my longtime number one listener, Aaron. He told me about Spendrift. And I'm, I've been hooked ever since. It's two years straight, just like,
0: it's all I drink, Spindrift. Really? So yeah, it's cool. good stuff.
1: But yeah. Anyways, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Con-
0: and you said we have questions. I know you said, Jay, hey, Jay, you doing okay? Yeah. This is yeah.
1: different questions for maybe a different dadcast.
0: Yeah, yeah we won't handle them now, but yeah. um, I did hear or, something about that. That
1: was one of my questions. Now that the four sermons are done, what are you going to do? Um,
0: Azazel. Who the heck is Azazel And I think it's Levitis, Leviticus 16, which connects to, I think, what Jay was asking you. But you Me, yeah. Asking you. Um, it's one aspect of that. we we'll reveal what Jay asked at a different time. Yeah.
1: On a different podcast.
0: So that's one, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get different questions. Uh, it's really hard because there's so many things I need to study. Right. So I can't, I don't always know. And then, yeah.
1: You 30 years of Bible studying. 40 years, yeah. 40 years of <laughs> studying the Bible. <laughs> not to correct you. <laughs> isn't enough for the It question. is
0: not enough. probably <laughs> it, oh the it's, it's too deep for me to, yeah. But I like it when I have a subject that I can I riff on. You know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I wonder about like the Leviathan now. Oh, one Ooh, of the things man.
0: that yeah, I've heard some stuff on that that I never heard before. Oh, really? Anyways, yeah, no, I'm talking about that.
1: Yeah, one one of the things that someone was talking about, I think Mom was talking about, is just how reading the Bible after this has given another light. Oh, another thing that a lot came up a lot in the questions during after the sermon was just the amount of people said. Well, thank you for. I've never even thought about it in this in this way. Mm-hmm. You know. And I've been going to church for all my life. And this is the first time I've actually heard or thought about something like this. And so that was really cool that, that was um, you just got kind of some kudos from some people over 50. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good to listen and think about this stuff, you know, whether you agree or disagree, if you've never heard it and then you'll never know, you know what I mean? Like why not? You'll never know the truth until you hear it. So, might as well just listen and try to understand and discern. So, yeah, I want
0: I want younger people to really get on fire. Yeah. So last Sunday I did the sermon. Then I went and did a Bible study with twelve or about twelve young youngsters. Yeah. Young to me, they're all like eighteen to twenty ish, Mm -hmm. and that's cool to see that. So
1: that that yeah age interested and they had probably a ton of different questions too you wouldn't yeah. go about the conquest you kind of went back to
0: went to Genesis that's where we're starting with them Genesis there. 3 and they're going to do all four yeah meetings. they want they want, us want to hear six now and
1: I was going to say what's yeah. the what's the speaking lineup now are you going to go start <laughs> doing speaker lineups You're going to start going to Christian colleges and doing
0: then I'll really get canceled yeah <laughs> right now it's kind of nice because everybody thing. wants to hear right. but when you start doing colleges they're they're yeah. spit at you and you don't like he, hearing that.
1: Yeah. No, they don't like hearing that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, we'll have to do another dadcast where we get into more kind of what where we can just talk about, whatever we're thinking and ask questions. and. Yeah.
0: Go well, I've stuff. got two or three different things I've already kind of worked on uh-huh. here or there. So, yeah. and, and they're shorter than this. Right. So, right. And that's where you, you and I can talk back and forth and then you'll ask me something. I don't even know what, how to answer right, which we'll you go. do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Something good at. It.
1: Yeah. Well that's cool. Well I'm glad that you were able to preach all four. Uh in in honestly in like a three month, four month span, which is really cool. Yeah. Like you're able to get all this info to our church. Um I think people think you're a little crazier. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is
0: awesome. We're cool with that. That's fine with me. Yeah. It's fine <laughs> with me.
1: <laughs> we are crazy. Uh any last words, any last things you want to say? No, we're good.
0: Okay. Yeah, peace out. Yeah, peace as out. As you would say.
1: Peace out, everyone. Thank you. I'll catch you on the next podcast, All right, bye. Bye.
0: Do not be deceived, there are tares sown among the wheat. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own abuse.